Welcome to Rethink Your Rules with Jenny Hobbs, MD, a fresh perspective on relationships, success, and happiness for high-achieving moms. Hey there, it's Jenny. Welcome back to another episode of Rethink Your Rules. This week, I want to talk with you about why we do the things we do. Why you take certain actions in your life, whether they're good or bad or logical or not, and why you don't take other actions, even if maybe you want to or you think you should or you plan to. So on the most basic level, any action we take or don't take, any behavior that we're showing up with in this world is determined by how we feel in our emotional state. Okay, so our emotional state, the feelings that come along with that, all of that combines to lead directly to our actions and how we show up to other people. There's a couple of ways that this works. So the first and probably the most straightforward is simply that when you have more positive feelings and emotions, you are better able to show up in the world in terms of your performance, at your job, better attention, more creativity, be better able to communicate and cope with interpersonal situations. They have even shown that when people are grading work, like a teacher is grading students' work, grades are better when the teacher is in a more positive emotional state and lower when they're not. So there's a lot of ways that sort of just directly your physiologic state created by these feelings and emotions contributes to kind of your higher level functioning and skills in the world. That I think is probably the most self-evident and it's the one we often try to hack in coaching where we talk about, okay, if you want to show up in this, you know, as your best version of yourself, then how can we get you, how can we kind of create an emotional state that makes that easier, right? So we would go kind of work backwards thinking about if those are the actions I want to be taking and these are the emotions that make those actions easiest, then how can I spend more time you know, creating those emotions or how can I plan to do those activities when I know those emotions are going to be present and kind of avoid them when I'm in a more negative space, et cetera. So you can kind of hack that to optimize how you show up and kind of cultivate certain emotions as well. The second way that our feelings influence how we show up and behave in the world is that we often react to a negative emotion. So what I mean by that is if I feel nervous or scared or ashamed or afraid, my primitive brain does not like this feeling, right? As a human being, I don't like that feeling in my body. It feels very uncomfortable. It feels like I might even die from embarrassment, right? Or whatever the the emotion is. And so often subconsciously without even realizing it, I will try to somehow get away from feeling that terrible emotion. And we all have different ways that we do this. Sometimes, you know, if we know that a conversation is going to bring about shame or discomfort or embarrassment, we'll avoid that conversation, even though it needs to be happening, right? Or maybe we'll try to numb that pain or that fear with sugar or alcohol or drugs or um, Netflix, right? Maybe we'll try you know, maybe we'll be so hurt that we will react to that hurt with, you know, anger and lash out at someone or take it out on somebody else. Maybe we will, you know, we've been taught that we shouldn't feel angry. So we repress the anger and pretend like it's not there and throw ourselves into our work. Um, You know, there's lots of different ways that we try to either avoid or resist or react to get that 
icky, uncomfortable emotion out of our body because we are so conditioned throughout our lives, both by our physiology with our primitive brains, but also just from the messages we get all the time that feeling a negative emotion is something to be avoided at all costs, that it should be that we should always feel good and that we shouldn't have to deal with pain and things like that. And these are obviously, as I'm saying it out loud, you're kind of like, well, no one thinks that there should never be pain. But honestly, once you start noticing this, you will see it everywhere. We are constantly giving ourselves, our kids, our friends, our family messages that like a negative experience is something that we should be solving for, avoiding, preventing, right? Some of us spend so much time and energy just trying to prevent our kids getting upset or or something going wrong. And not that that's all bad, right? Of course, we want to protect our kids to some extent, but it's pretty interesting how what what lengths we will go to to avoid feeling normal human emotions of discomfort and disappointment and things like that. You know, so often people will tell me, "Oh, I could never do you know what you're doing. I could never speak in front of people or whatever." But technically, it's not that they can't speak in front of people, right? It's that they are strongly, strongly motivated to avoid feeling whatever negative emotion they think will be associated with speaking in front of people, whether that's embarrassment, anxiety, failure, you know, fear, shame, whatever, something in their brain has decided there is something very painful emotionally associated with that task. So I will just not do it. And then I can avoid the pain, right? And all the time, our brains are just going around doing their best to avoid pain and seek pleasure. And it doesn't make a lot of logical sense, right? Because our poor primitive brains don't understand that there's it's just not possible to fully avoid all pain. They also don't understand that negative emotions, like even shame and guilt and embarrassment, will not kill you, even though they may feel like they will, right? But at the end of the day, we are just very strongly conditioned to avoid sitting with any sort of uncomfortable emotion on our body. And so we want to get either avoid it or escape it or resist it or react to it, whatever we can do to get that out so we don't have to feel it anymore. Okay. So that is the second way that your feelings can contribute to how you're showing up. Now, the third way that our feelings explain why we do what we do is because our feelings drive our decisions. So if we decide to do something, the primary reason behind that is that we believe taking that action will make us feel a certain way. So this would be like, you know, my goal is to have this number in my bank account. And the reason underneath that would be, you know, because I believe if I have that number, then I will feel secure or safe, right? Or if I get this job, then I will feel like I'm validated and intelligent and smart and I won't question myself again. Or if I do this whole long list of things for my family at Christmas, then I will feel like a good mom or a good daughter. Or if I finish this whole to-do list today, then I will feel like I deserve a break and to relax. You know, I'm sure you get the idea, so I won't belabor the point. So this third one starts from the same root as the second, which is that we want to avoid uncomfortable negative emotions, and have more positive, comfortable emotions in our lives. But the way we're going about it is different, right? In the second one, it was sort of very reactionary, instinctual. You know, I'm just going to try to get rid of this any way I can, right? Often going back to habits we've learned from since we were kids where we were taught to 
deny our emotions or repress them or, you know, react to them or things like that. This third one is much less reactionary and instinctual. It's more, you know, forward-thinking, logical, planning ahead, why we want what we want, why we set the goals that we do. And I think that distinction is important because it can often feel very logical and cerebral. And we think emotion is not playing a role, but quite often it's still there as the primary motivator. It's just kind of under the surface and not really articulated. So we don't even realize how much our emotions are driving us sometimes. And because we don't even realize the power they have over us, or if we kind of notice that they're there, we're afraid of them because we've never been given the skills to really sit with our emotions. We've been told it's a waste of time or something we should ignore or be embarrassed about. We, we kind of compound that fear of our emotions and they continue to have even more power over us because, you know, it's like Voldemort. If you're scared to say the name, you're giving it more power over you. If you just put the name out there, that's you taking some of that control back. And when I talk about the headless chicken syndrome that my clients get into and that I've been in before many times myself, it's this idea of going through the motions and rushing around without a centered, calm purpose and intention and feeling like you can't stop and you have no time for yourself and you know you should set the boundary uh, or take a break or whatever, but you can't do it. Well, why can't you do it? Because there's an emotion you're afraid to feel. And so as that headless chicken, you're running around desperately trying to avoid the emotions that are painful. And the only way out of that is actually the exact opposite of what you think. You have to sit with the negative emotion and allow it in and allow some of its power to dissipate. Just like saying Voldemort's name, right? Naming the emotion, allowing it to be there, sitting with it instead of running away from it. Now, I'm not saying this is easy, but I am telling you that the number one skill that is needed, the first thing is simply to move toward the emotion instead of constantly running away from it, which doesn't work anyway, right? Because they're not avoidable. And as I've said, they're incredibly powerful. They're motivating you no matter what. All right. So if you know that you are in a place where you need this, you are tired of overthinking and the anxiety and the head spinning and you know you're smart and you're capable and you can do all the things, but somehow you just can't be centered and calm and present and relaxed and you realize that you have to just try something completely different, I want you to join me for my webinar. It's going to be Thursday, February 8th at 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to talk about how to cure your headless chicken syndrome with my calm method. And we're really going to focus on the starting point of simply recognizing and allowing your negative emotions instead of running around trying to avoid them like we've been taught our whole entire lives. There's really quick things you can do in just a couple of minutes to start taking the edge off and understanding yourself better. I cannot wait to see you there and hear your questions and help you apply this to your life. So please join me. And of course, you can also set up a consult. Both the webinar and the consult are free and links for both are in the show notes. And I would love to talk more with you about this. I hope you have an amazing week and be sure to notice this week, whenever you're doing something, notice like, why am I doing it? What emotion is driving me? Or if you want something, what feeling do I think I'm going to get by doing this thing? Let me know if anything interesting comes up. You can email me. I'd love to hear. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Rethink Your Rules with Jenny Hobbs, MD. Would you like to learn more about how to apply this to your own life through personalized coaching with Jenny? Visit us on the web at jennyhobbsmd.com to schedule a free consultation. If you found value in what you heard today, please consider subscribing to the podcast and giving us a five-star rating so we can reach even more women like you.